I love a cupcake. Sure. They're they're delicious. But they're not easy to eat. No, you can end up with frosting on your face, and any sort of disaster. It's embarrassing. Eli has a solution. So with the cup... Hold on, sorry. Let me throw this Tic Tac out of my mouth. <laughs> um, so to eat a cupcake properly without getting frosting all over your nose and your mouth and any other crevice, just twist the bottom portion of the cake off and plop it on top of the frosting and make yourself a little sandwich. It, it seems like a frosting burger on a cake bun. Kind of cakey Oreo. Yes, if you will. That's, I haven't heard it referred to as an Oreo, but that's actually perfect. Well, this, uh, this sounds great. I, this has changed my cupcake-eating life. So thank you, Eli. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad to be a part of it. This is How to Do Everything. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. On today's show, we'll tell you how to plan your day in the most efficient way. We'll tell you where to pee if you're in San Luis Obispo. Because why not? And we'll also tell you how to make great s'mores. But first, there's some fascinating new research uh, on how to help your plants grow. Yeah, we read this week about a gardener named Chris in England who figured out not only that talking to your plants helps, but talking to them with a specific accent helps. So, so Chris, how, how'd you come up with this? It all started when we had some um, polytunnels where we're growing things, and one was doing really well and thriving, and one was not doing quite so well, and we thought, well, what's going on here? This one's the same as this one, everything identical, the compost, the light, the water, and then we figured it out that this one's got the radio in it. So um, we took it from there, started playing CDs and things to them, and that's what happened, and then we decided well, let's start talking to them as well and trying different tones of voice, So, one of which was um, American. Oh, really? You know, they, those plants didn't exactly thrive, but they didn't, you know, die or anything. So they, they were middle of the road. So we're, we're happy with that result. So, you know? so, so what does that sound, what does it sound like when you would talk to the plants with an American accent? Well, luckily, I, did, I was just sticking with my own local accent. For where, for where I live here, um, and we had other members of staff doing that. But we, we played them CDs and things and music, like uh, played a bit of Bruce Springsteen, a <laughs> bit of Michael Jackson and different things like that, just to uh, you know, see if it had any effect on their growth. So what, but, what accent did the best for the plants? What did best for the plants is, um, is uh, an accent from a city in England called, New, called Newcastle, um, and the accent is known as Geordie. And it's a very, very different accent, and they've got a lot of different words to what we have in the south and near London. That um, if I started to speak in it, you wouldn't even understand. Well, can you lay a little bit of Geordie on us? <laughs> lay a little, lay a little bit of Geordie on you. Oh no, you're putting me on the spot here. Let me, uh, let me just think of something. Why, amen, like, like, and talking like this. So, <laughs> so what? But they, you said they have different words too. So, what are some words? Yeah, I mean, we call, they call people in that part of the world pet, short for petal, and things like that. So it's a few, a few different things. Well, really. it's a, it's a language that seems almost tailor made for plants. It seems tailor made. Yeah, I mean, they did about ten percent better, so uh, than everything else. So we're going to try it again. We're going to try a few more accents, and who knows. You know, in years to come, farmers might be having some big speakers playing out over their field to help boost the yield, if this works. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we also had the uh, Welsh group, which was sort of um, 
position two, very close behind, and then you've got um, a much different tone again there. So uh, you've got things like, oh, John's boy, oh, been up the valleys, and things like that. Okay, so wait, say, can you say that sentence again? Because I want to see if I can get it right. <laughs> oh, Jones Boyle, been up the valleys. So what what do you think it is that, uh, why the plants would prefer Geordie to, say, American or, or another British accent? Well, this is what we're trying to work out, because we think maybe it's just the actual resonance of the sound rather than, and the sound waves, rather than some harsher tones, perhaps. They like a bit of a a softer accent rather than sort of a real deep grinding accent, but we haven't proven that yet. So Klingon wouldn't work necessarily. I, I, we, could, we could throw Klingon in next year, definitely. Um, yeah. That would be a good one to try. I think that would, uh, you know, why not make this um, more than international, intergalactic There you go. Test. Have you tried, uh, have you tried, I imagine if Sean Connery was telling a plant to grow, it would grow. I, I imagine if Sean Connery was speaking to his plants, they would grow fantastically. But interestingly enough, the Scottish group was pretty low down our league table. <laughs> huh. So, yeah. you know, that doesn't necessarily bode too well. Chris, now that you've had these results, they've been published um, and gone public with it, have you heard from any Geordies out there who feel a certain sense of pride? Well, yeah, they're really proud, and they've just been saying, you know, we've known this for years, we grow the best vegetables in the country, and um, all, all things like this, you know, we're, we're known to have the best hanging baskets and flowers and everything. So people are really, uh, really happy it's been recognized because they really do feel they're very passionate, passionate gardeners out up there. So, But is, but is that how they would they would say it? I mean, how how might uh, someone speaking the Geordie accent, how might they say, we know this, we have the best plants in the world. We're very proud of them. Why I like, that's what I'm telling you, pet. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> Yeah, that is diff- I wouldn't have understood that. Well, maybe, uh, Chris, if there was a song that we should play for our plants, what would you recommend? Um, well, I don't know. Do you know Tom Jones? Of course. He's a famous, obviously, Welsh singer, and um appropriately titled song would be The Green, Green Grass of Home. Yeah. Okay, sure. I I saw on the internet uh, these these two young women did a cover of Call Me Maybe entirely in the Geordie dialect. So maybe we could play that. Yeah, that would probably work really well. I think that would be uh, the potentially, we'll definitely have to play that next year to the plants and see if that has a has a beneficial effect, but I'm sure it will. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess you have to uh, balance their their love of, of the Geordie accent with their taste in music, because maybe, you well, know. Yeah, you've got, got a good point there. So we, we have to draw the line somewhere. All right. This has been great. Thanks, Chris. No problem. Enjoyed it. Where you think you're going, darling? Yeah, I just met you like. And this is metal. But he asked me number. So he gives a ring when he hurts. It's sort of the look right. That you darling. But he asked me number. So he gives a ring when he hurts. Aye. So we're kind of locked into the day. As we, we wake up, we eat breakfast, we go to work. We come home, we drink to forget, and then we go to sleep. But what if we told you we could help you maximize your day? Sue Schellenbarger wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal. Now, Sue, we are talking to you. It's right now 9.35 in the morning. Uh, What should we be doing right now based on your research? 
based on my research, your, your uh, body temperature is rising, your mind is becoming sharper, you're en- entering the time of the day, morning to late morning, when you're probably at your cognitive best to solve analytical problems, uh, focus on demanding tasks. I have to say, I, I don't know about you, I find it kind of worrisome that uh, the brain that I'm thinking with right now is the best I'm going to get today. <laughs> I know, you could, it's sort of facing your own mortality, but um, it, it does have uh, other talents. Later in the day, interestingly enough, a study at Albion College in Michigan found that in the evening when we're tired, we tend to be less inhibited, and there's some evidence that we do our creative work and solve creative problems best in the evening. So you may still have something to look forward to later on in the day. So any problem that I can't solve now when I'm at my cognitive peak, I can rest assured that maybe when I'm at my weakest point, I may come up with a solution. (laughs) That's true. Strange but true. This is surprising. But for the majority of people who are most fatigued in the evening, it seems as though our brains lower the barriers. We're more willing to consider the abstract or oddball solution. We aren't as discouraged if we go down a blind alley and have to turn around mentally. And this may be why some great poetry and music and artwork is created in the evening. So uh, take hope there for the, the night people and the evening hours. One thing I found really interesting in your piece is that there um, is an optimum time to read Twitter and an optimum time to write tweets, and they are not the same. A Cornell, a Cornell University study of uh, billions of tweets, very ambitious study, found that Twitter users tend to be in an energetic mood shortly after most people wake up. This is true globally based on your time zone. And they tend to send more cheerful, upbeat, enthusiastic tweets in the morning. And similarly, fewer of those angry, pessimistic, downbeat tweets. So yeah, if you want a little mood booster, not a bad time to sign on to Twitter at around 8 a.m. And then if you, if you want uh, your clever tweets to be retweeted, you want those later on in the day. We get tired. It's interesting. Later on in the day, around 3, 4 in the afternoon, the, the researchers at Cornell found that people are more likely to retweet information because they're, they're worn out. The, the idea that um, someone would be too tired to send the shortest possible message that we have available to us <laughs> is like, I don't, there's something kind of tragic about that. <laughs> well, that's true. And, and yet, on the other hand, maybe we have more of a willingness to join in the community later in the day. I thought it was interesting that, you know, another thing that happens around 8 p.m. is that you're more likely to get likes uh, on your Facebook pages because people are more relaxed and maybe a little more generous. Maybe we're uh, giving it all up and saying, I've done everything I can do today. Uh, I'm ready to network socially. Exactly. So when people like you at that point, they're probably just lonely. <laughs> that may very well be true. Well, now, Sue, you also found uh, through your research when like the peak time to exercise is. Fascinating work by uh, Michael Smolensky, kind of uh, one of the deans of the field at University of Texas that, uh, and others, uh, Our workout time is usually best late in the day. Uh, Muscle strength tends to peak between 2 and 6 p.m. Your hand grip is going to be as much as 6% more strong at that time uh, than at your low times of the day. My (laughs) hands are stronger at that time of day than other times? They measure muscle, muscle strength by hand grip. It's a real easy thing to do in the lab. And if you are tested at various times of the day, all other things being equal, your, your grip is going to be probably about 6% more powerful between 2 and 6 p.m. 
uh, and your lungs are more efficient at 5 p.m. than they are at midday, studies show. Eye-hand coordination is better, and your body's warmed up. You're 20% more flexible in the evening, and that reduces your risk of injury. So there's a good reason that most Olympic records are set late in the day, and studies of athletes show that the elite uh, competitors all think they're at their best between 3 and 6 p.m., so a good time to work out if you want to burn the most calories. So, Sue, now that you've done all this research, you have a sense of, like, when is the best time to do certain things. How have you changed your day? Interesting you would ask that. I, uh, I was very affected by this story. Um, I've begun to take naps in the afternoon, and it has truly improved my energy late in the day. This is one of the findings, which is, is pretty well known. The siesta effect sets in after lunch, not only because we've just eaten, but also because it's the daytime peak of sleepiness. The body has a sort of you know, rhythm of sleepiness, and around 2 p.m. it hits its high. It can be very helpful to try to coordinate as much as possible with your your own diurnal rhythms. How, how do you do it? Do you have, do you have a like a cot in your office? <laughs> I do. I do. I actually am a telecommuter working oh. in a home office, so it's easy for me. When I was in the newsroom for the Wall Street Journal, I would uh, use the office uh, sofa, um, and many of us did, given the long hours we put in. Uh, so I, I'd recommend it. Uh, you know, have no shame. Take that nap. I really want to try and make this happen. Can we, so we're going to tell our bosses at NPR that you said we need a napping room. You absolutely can, and I'll, I'll support that if they want to call me. I think it's one of the more enlightened policies that employers can, can take up. Well, Sue, thank you so much. You've given us so much to think about and how we map out our days. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. A few episodes ago, we told you that you could use Doritos to replace kindling when starting a fire. Yeah, you just take a flame to them and they, they just go up. One of our listeners, Matt, called us and told us he tried this. Now, Matt is a preschool teacher. He, he His kids call him Mr. Matt. So, Matt, do, do we need to call you Mr. Matt? Uh, you can if you like. I, I think suppose. we probably should. Yeah. <laughs> it only makes sense. Okay, you, go ahead and call me Mr. Matt then. All right. Whenever you're ready, Mr. Matt, t- tell us what happened. Sure. Well, uh, the other weekend, a bunch of my buddies and I wanted to have s'mores, so it was kind of a last camping trip of the summer. And the kindling was all wet, and we couldn't find any dry leaves or anything like that. And I remembered your podcast about how you could burn the dur- Doritos. We didn't have any Doritos, but we did have some lime-flavored tortilla chips uh-huh. that nobody liked because they taste like Fruit Loops. So we, uh-huh. we, we poured them in the fire pit, and we, we set them ablaze, and we were able to start a fire like that. So you all stay with the s'mores. Oh, I'm really glad to hear that. Wait, so you built a fire using the tortilla chips? We built a fire using the tortilla chips. They burned so slowly. Like, I, I really thought that they'd probably go up in a blaze, but it kind of reminded me a little bit of an oil lamp or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Now, did it impart any uh, Fruit Loop lime tortilla chip flavor into your <laughs> s'mores? <laughs> I, not, not that I noticed, but I, I waited until the wood was, was burning and the, and the tortilla chips were gone. Okay, My friends might have tasted it because they made the mistake of doing it right away. <laughs> what did the campfire smell like? Did it smell like a, like a lime-infused it, it, it fire? Smelled, it, it smelled like a margarita. Did it really? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> hey, do you, uh, while, while we have you on the line, s'mores can be, people have different ways of doing it. What's your s'more technique? Oh, see, I get fancy with s'mores. There's a lot of different flavors of graham crackers. 
Oh. Um, plus, instead of just the chocolate squares, I like to take the the mini um, the mini candy bars and squish them and use those instead of just the little chocolate squares. Wait, what? My what do you mean? Reese's peanut butter cups, and I, I squish them between my palms, and then I put that on the graham cracker. So when it melts, you get a little bit of peanut butter love in there too. Yeah. Have you tried any other uh, candy bars in there? I've done Snickers before. I tried Kit Kats. That didn't work. I don't recommend it. Too crumbly. Too many crackers. Well, yeah, no, it, it just it didn't melt as well. All right. Do you ever use like a crackle? No, but that would be good. <laughs> right. So, Mr. Matt, what's your strategy when roasting marshmallows? What's your best best way to do it? Oh, see, most people make the mistake of putting the the marshmallow right into the fire. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is you have to hold it above the fire so it's not not toasting yet. That gets it all nice and melty, and then all of a sudden you you can lower it into the fire just to get the caramelized on the outside. That way it's perfectly smushy on the inside and a little bit crispy on the outside. All right, Mr. Matt, once again, thanks for using our techniques out on the wilds of the woods. Thanks. I'm going to be doing it again. Now, as you know, we are creating a national toilet registry. We are collecting data from you about the great restrooms around this great nation. Yeah, everybody is sending in uh, tips. We've gotten phone calls at 1-800-GAGAX-5. Now, the one weird thing that happened in the many messages we received, the bathroom recommendations, we got two recommendations for the same restroom. It's at the Madonna Inn in San Luis Obispo. So joining us now is Sue from the Madonna Inn. So, Sue, are you in the restroom right now? No, I am not. Now, this is an actual, you're interested in our men's room, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whichever one is the best. Oh, we have so many here. But the men's restroom in the wine cellar at Madonna Inn, our world-famous Madonna Inn, is quite well known throughout the country. And I'm not in there right now because it's an active restroom. So right. guests come quite frequently from all over the world just to see the restroom as well as Madonna Inn. Really? So they don't go in there to use it. They just want to check it out. No, they do go in there to use it. So it is very usable. That's why I'm not in there right now. (laughs) (laughs) So what, what makes it so great? It's actually the men's room itself is a man's urinal as a waterfall. Oh. And I don't want to give away too much information because we want all your lister- listeners to come and see it. Wait, there's a you don't want to there's a surprise <laughs> hiding in this bathroom. We 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 encourage guests to come and visit, and it's one of our main attractions here. So Sue, it's a men's room. Have you yourself ever used it? <gasps> Absolutely not. <laughs> Seriously, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. It is. <laughs> Like I said, a waterfall, and it's made with rock. And there's a little secret there that only men can can tell you about. But but what happens is women come in to visit and see what it's all about because they've heard so much about it that they have to figure out how they're going to get it to work. I, so that's the secret. I re I. I really want to know what's... Go- I feel like I should go right now. Well, wait. Is there a man there that we can talk to who can tell us tell us about it? Actually, if you wanted to speak to a gentleman also, I could try to see if you wanted to hold. Are we right now doing live? 
No, 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 we're not live. I didn't think so. So if you wanted to hold for a minute, I can rush down to the restroom right this second and grab a man. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Okay, so hold on, okay? <laughs> All right. Our cocktail lounge, as well as our three wine, gift, and clothing boutiques. Visit us online at www.madonnainn.com. Hello. Hey. Hello. Oh, hi. Um, Sue will be right with you. All right. Um, she said, she called me. She's upstairs and she's on her way down. <laughs> we told her to run to the men's room and find us a man we can talk to. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. We, we want, we've never been to this restroom and we want to know what's in there. Oh, so you want to, so you want to talk to a man. Do you know that a lot of, um, our patrons who are women get to go in there when there's no men in there. Have you been in there? Oh, of course. <laughs> Have you used the restroom? Oh, I, I know. I didn't use it. I just went in to look. <laughs> well, see, that's we, we need someone with firsthand experience. And hopefully that's Sue will find us that person. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and I may, so maybe that's who she is looking for. Yeah. Well, here's Sue now. I, okay. Nice talking to you. Hey, Thank nice you. Nice talking to you. Mike, is that you or is it Ian? It's it, both of you it's now. Oh, yeah, we're both here. Okay, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yep. So I'm in my shop downstairs, and I found a gentleman. All right. Now, he's actually been here before, and he just came out of the men's room just now. Oh, perfect. So <laughs> I'm going to let you talk to him for a second. Sir, what is your name? His name is Steve, and this is Mike and Ian. And you're with what radio station? Uh, we're with the show How to Do Everything. How to Do Everything. Oh, my gosh, and you're talking about our famous restroom, huh? Yeah, that's okay. right. So here's Steve. He's going to talk to you for a couple of minutes, okay? Steve, All right. Back here. Hello there. Hey, hey Steve. Steve. How are you doing? Pretty good. So you just used the restroom? Yeah, we made a special trip here just to use it. Wow, did you drink a lot in preparation? <laughs> no, we traveled for quite a distance, so it's kind of like our halfway spot. So, so I, you were I ready. My wife, hey, I need to pull off the highway and I like to pee in the waterfall. So that's yep. All right, now Sue, who who brought you to this phone, she made it seem as if uh, only like a woman could look in the men's room, but only a man could experience all that it has to offer. So what what happened in there? Well, uh, there's a sensor that, that uh, sets the waterfall off when you start. You know. Uh-huh. You're standing there, so yeah, it's probably just more male friendly, I would say. <laughs> so, are you are you standing, kind of looking at the uh, urinal, facing the urinal, and then when you start going, a, a waterfall uh, joins your stream? Well, it's more than just a traditional urinal. It's got the. It's, it actually looks like a waterfall you're peeing into, it's like it, it rocks and stuff. Oh. So yeah, it's like you're almost like you're outside, you know. Steve, you've peed in other urinals before, right? How does this compare? Oh, there's no comparison. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, like I said, we make a special trip. I learned about this about 30 years ago. A friend of mine said we had to stop in here, and he had to show this to me. So ever since then, I bring my wife. We, we stop by on our passenger. Sure. So if you're on a road trip and you really got to go, are you going to be like, you know what, no, let's hold out for an hour so until we can get to the Madonna Inn and, and use the waterfall? Uh, if I could talk the wife into it, yeah, I, I'd rather <laughs> hold out. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, and uh, thanks for taking some time out from your uh, uh, pee break. To, to talk to us. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, take care. Take care, Steve. Hi, Mike. I'm back. It's Sue. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you for doing that, Sue. That was really nice of you. You're welcome. You know, I, we. I don't know if you've um, had ever heard of us other than just the 
men's restroom, but we're actually one of the most famous hotels in the world. But it sounds to me like there's a lot that's going on at the Madonna Inn that's great, but really it's that peeing waterfall that you want to take advantage of. Not only that, no. I mean, all the men (laughs) have to take advantage of it. It's absolutely popular. So we, of course, want everybody to come. So I have to put a plug in for the rest of the inn. It's really fun just so that, that guests that have never heard of us might want to stop for other than just a restroom break. <laughs> that sounds great. All right. Thank you, Sue. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. All right, so the men's room at the Madonna Inn in San Luis Obispo, that's our toilet of the week. Yep, a waterfall you can pee into. And keep sending us uh, your toilet recommendations for our registry. Email them to howto at npr.org. Not too long ago, we talked about the crane games that they have in arcades where you put in X amount of dollars, lower a crane, and win a prize. And when we thought to do this, we thought, um, this question, we got a question about this, but then none of us could find it. We heard from the listener, Ben Pham, who asked the question, so we just wanted to acknowledge that whole thing was his idea. So if you liked it, tell, tell Ben you liked it. If not, it's his fault. That does it for this week's show. What'd you learn, Ian? I, I learned that that all foods, I think, are headed towards sandwich, you know? It's a convenience thing. Yeah. I mean, a cupcake uh, is wonderful, but that's not its optimum shape. And I think salad, eventually, you know, you can take the croutons and make each bite a little sandwich. Right. They, well, they have those bread bowls, salads that come in bread bowls. Eventually, we're just going to eliminate utensils. We're going to go to museums and your kid's going to be like, what's that tiny pitchfork? You're like, I, that, we used to use that to eat salad. And how do you know what a pitchfork is? I don't, I don't know that I'm ever going to get to the Madonna Inn in San Luis Obispo, but I have a pretty good idea of how I could recreate that experience of peeing in that urinal. By peeing in an actual waterfall? Yep. How to Do Everything is produced by Blythe Hega with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Leah Menzer. She's actually motion activated too, which is funny about her. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And check out our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks.